<clears throat> the Holy Gospel for this morning is from St. John, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who be would betray Him. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of our Lord. Start off with some, some interactive pieces just so that we can realize that we're all kind of in the same place. Once you think about this, open question. How many of you at least one time in your life have wished that you could talk with Jesus like the people of Israel in that first century were able to talk with Jesus. If you've ever wanted to have a conversation or a dialogue with Jesus about something, just raise your hand. All right, look around. That's about everybody in here. I think this is common. So have I. All right, here's another one. How many of you have longed to hear His voice, particularly in a time of trouble or when you had a very important or difficult decision to make. And you didn't want to have to think about 
okay, God, let me see which doors are open and try to interpret the signs around me. Uh, you don't want to have to try to figure out through the voices and the instructions and the insights of people around you. You just want to cut through all that and say, God, give me your voice so I can absolutely make the right decision and not mess this up. Have you ever felt like you ever wanted to hear God's voice in a time like that? Raise your hand. All right, here we go. We're all in this, right? Have you ever prayed for just a glimpse of His face? or a passing dream, or an experience of heaven to give you hope in a hard time? I think you have. We're in the same boat with this. Now that said, actually before I get to this part, um, along those lines, I've wanted to have more than just a spiritual connection. I've wanted to have more than the Bible. I confess it. I've wanted to hear His voice. I've wanted to see His face. I've wanted... And this might be too much to ask, but I've wanted to have a big hug at times. There's been times I just needed it, and I needed a God hug. Maybe I'd messed up, and I needed to know I was forgiven. Or maybe I was just down and out because of something. And I just wanted that, right? So the most challenging part of today's gospel lesson, and it's been for me, but it's frequently with other people, so we might be in this together is that when we read this portion of chapter 6 of uh, St. John's book, we read verses 60, 61, and 66, and it troubles. Why don't you take a look at the papers? We've passed them out today. You have the Bible lesson from Ephesians on those papers, and you have the gospel lesson. I think the gospel is on the second part, John chapter 6. I want you, I think I've highlighted the numbers 60, 61, and 66. So you can find them on the papers. This is actually a good stopping point while you're finding that. In the future, if you guys want to bring your Bibles to church, then you can just underline the stuff in your Bibles. And then when you read the Bible passages later on, you can have like little notes of little things that maybe you've learned about it. So if we get to bring Bibles in the future, that would be pretty neat as a church. All right, then I'm going to read uh, verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? And then verse 61, it says this, His disciples, His disciples... We're complaining about it. Just for the sake of doing this, let's have everybody in here read verse 66 together. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went with him. You notice the number? Six, six, six. Hmm. I just noticed that. Just jumped off the page. I didn't notice that. The early church. Yeah, right? You didn't. Okay. Um, so after reading those words in the gospel lesson, and think about this week, the fir- my first response is, is, how can this happen? What is going on? How can anyone who has been following Jesus and said that they've been one of his disciples, hundreds of these people following him and have listened to him teach, heard his teachings, how can any of them turn and walk away from him? How is that possible? We beg to hear his voice. We would long to touch him and be in his presence. How can they turn? How can anyone who has followed Jesus and witnessed how he loved and witnessed how he would touch even the lepers to bring them healing and how he would heal everybody who came to them? He would forgive anybody who came to him because that's what he came to do. How could any of those people leave? How can the disciples who just a day or two before in this book 
be, they were miraculously fed. Thousands, I mean like the fifteen to 20,000 people on the side of the hill, they were there too. They ate their fill of bread. They ate their fill of fish. Miraculous food, a gift of God from heaven to them. And in that moment, if only one time in their life, they were satisfied. And they were. How can those who have just fed on that and heard all this and seen this, how can they hear these hard words today and simply choose to walk away? I don't get it. Hard words had an effect on them. About this time the sermon preparation, I was remembering um, some wise words from a, a, a pastor who was also a seminary professor. He was pastor first. He was a very intelligent man. God blessed him with intelligence. He knew like five languages. He could read it and write it. He knew biblical languages. He knew the languages that we spoke now. More than that, he had a heart for people. He just loved people. He liked the nice ones. He loved the nice ones. And he loved the grumpy, grumbling ones. He just loved them all. And he was a seminary professor. And he was a teacher. And one of the things before we were going out is this class that was graduating, getting ready to go to our first church. He, he told us, these, these rookie soon-to-be pastors, he said, if I have something to share with you, because he knew the world. He knew how people respond to the word of God. He said to the young ones, he says, if you're going to tell them the truth, try to make them laugh. And so at that, we were dismissed from him. So think about those wise words and hard words in today's gospel lesson. I thought, well, let's find something cute, clever, fun, lighten it up a bit. And in that, dusting off stories, you know, I collect stories a lot. I found this story. Um, the setting of the story is probably... Um, Middle 1990s, or yeah, no, 2000, 2005, 2006, somewhere there. The Anglican Church, the Episcopal Church of the United States, had voted that they were going to change some historical Judeo-Christian things regarding human sexuality, and they were going to allow some things that had never been done before. And, and that was a controversial piece then, tremendously controversial. So now in that setting, in that timeline, comes this story. An Episcopal pastor, he had just finished a round of golf with three of his best friends. This was in a town, Tyler, Texas. They had stopped into a place now after the rounds of golf called the 19th Hole. That was the name of the restaurant bar at the country club. After a good afternoon of golf, it was time for some refreshments. And they enter the room, the room is just filled of people, men and women, just telling stories about their great games of golf probably elaborating on some of the stories about how long they shot the shot and, and are their putts like they had eyes they went in from 50 feet, just dropped right into the cup. So they're telling all these stories, doing what they do. Well, into this room, this 19th hole bar and restaurant, into that room enters a man that the pastor calls, he just called him Hugh. The pastor said that this Hugh could have been any casting company's first pick as to what a stereotypical wealthy powerful Texas oil man might look like. This guy was large, loud, and proud. Texas Hugh. This guy always wanted people to know that he was in the room. He was a back-slapping, overbearing fellow just about everywhere he went. Well, anyway, the pastor's sitting at his table with his friends at the 19th hole bar. 
Here comes in Hugh. He's got a drink in one hand. He's got a cigar in the other hand. And he's laughing loud and he's talking loud. And after a few moments, he starts greeting people at different tables. So he goes over here and he's patting them on the back and he's saying hi to this table. And then he goes over to this table and this table and this table. Well, eventually, he gets his way over to the pastor's table, this Episcopal pastor. And now at this table, he bellows very loudly for everybody here because that's just how he was. He says, you Episcopalians, you don't believe in the Bible anymore, do you? Well, rather than take the bait, the bait, the pastor just looked at Hugh. He smiled weakly. And then he went back to looking at his friends. He was hoping that this Texas Hugh guy, that he would just pass by like a Texas thunderstorm in July. No such luck. Texas Hugh was going to bring to attention this controversial decision that the Episcopal Church has made. And at this point, instead of making reference to the pastor as Reverend Dr. So-and-so, he just calls him by first name. David, he says loudly. I want to go, I want to go to a church that is Bible-believing. Do you understand me? I want a church where the preacher is not trying to tippy-toe around the hard lessons of life, hard lessons of Jesus. I want a preacher who is going to lay it on the line and not try to water down the gospel. I want a preacher who is going to be bold and just put it right out there, through a full measure of the Bible, and will not hold back a lick. I want a preacher who will not let sinners slide and who might even call them out by name if that's what it takes to bring them back. I want the full gospel of Jesus. Pastor says he didn't know where his response came from, but he heard himself saying, You want the full gospel, Hugh? Hugh, sipping his drink, nodded proudly. You want a preacher who will not tippy toe around the hard lessons of Jesus? That's what I said. Well, Hugh, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. Then come back and we'll talk about the full gospel. Complete silence fell over the room. The pressure of that awkward silence grew until finally Hugh, this Texas Hugh, responded. He says, well, well, not that part. And that kind of a laughter piece is what filled the room. Pastor says that the room just broke up in laughter. And as the room was breaking up in laughter, big Texas Hugh withdrew quietly, smallly away. Now that in mind, there's a good chance, and think about the gospel lesson, there's a good chance um, that none of us in church today will turn our back to Jesus and depart from Him because of today's gospel lesson's hard, cannibalistic-sounding words. Many of Jesus' disciples left that day because of His words. But probably not you and I. We can say with Jesus, after reading and hearing today's words, hard words, because we have the benefit of knowing the whole story. We know about the Old Testament prophecies that are relating to Jesus coming and to be the Lamb of God, the one that's going to be raised up. We know about the Last Supper, 
where Jesus is establishing the new covenant of his body and blood in the bread and the wine. We know about the sacrament of Holy Communion, of the body given, the blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins and for our salvation. We have learned some things about this great and profound mystery that when we eat this bread and when we drink this cup, we receive God in these earth temples. We receive God's promise to love us and forgive us. And we proclaim His life, death, resurrection, and our hope of eternal life with Him until He comes. So the words that Jesus spoke on that day were shocking and overwhelming to hundreds and hundreds of disciples who turned and left Him that day. But they're not so shocking to us. We know the full story in the way of interpreting hard words, even if they are a little cannibalistic sounding. Now, all that said, how do we and people in our world respond to other portions of God's instructions as given to us in the Bible? For, almost, for heterosexuals like Hugh, it might be real easy to highlight the sins of the GLBT community. Real easy for him. But what about Hugh keeping the command to love neighbors as himself? Or Hugh keeping Jesus' instructions to be grateful and humble, a servant imitating Jesus. Hmm, he didn't like those hard words. Or how about just Christians in general with some challenging words in our words in our worlds? How about keeping marriage vows to love and to cherish and to be faithful until death parts us? What about Christians keeping the other commandments of God like honoring the Sabbath every Sabbath? What about the proper use of God's name? What about the command to refrain from sexual activity unless it's within the confines of marriage? What about cherishing and preserving life, even the life in the side the mother's womb? What about the biblical references? All the references that Paul will give us about the works of darkness of drunkenness and debauchery and works of holiness as presented by St. Paul in just the other lesson from Ephesians read today. And go on and read the rest of chapter 5 and see how the world will squirm listening to the rest of that chapter. When presented, when we are presented with unfiltered, unprocessed, holy word of God, do we withdraw from the church like the disciples withdrew from Jesus on that day he gave them hard words? Or do we, do we say like, like Hugh, uh, I want God in the Bible, but not that part. Or, or do we confess and repent, humbly turn to God and ask for help that we might be imitators of Jesus as St. Paul begs his friends to do. Christian friends, know that the words I share with you before I share them with you, they're being pressed into me and are not always comfortable for me as well. 
Know also that I didn't write the words. God gave them to us. They're His words. We, I, are called to read His Word, remember His Word, honor, obey, and fully live. And now that some of the hard words, that's not all of them, that's just a touch of some of them. Now some of the hard words have been spoken. Oh, we got a guitar. Let me present an encouraging possibility as we think about this. That's actually good timing. An encouraging possibility is next. Got to lighten it up. Think about this. Could the disciples who stopped following Jesus on that day, could they have had a change of heart and resumed their following Jesus later? Interesting question. What if the disciples, hundreds of them, couldn't take the the pressure of hard words on that day? What if they could not understand the truth of Jesus' teachings on that day, but later, later, were told of the Last Supper, were later, were told about the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension and the love of God throughout it all? Could that additional knowledge combined with the Holy Spirit's help, help them to have an inspired change of mind and way of thinking and living. I think that some of those who were too weak to follow on that day, I think that later they heard the message from the twelve or from Paul as they shared the good news of God's love and forgiveness. And at a later time, I think that they heard about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to atone for the sins, their sins, as well as the sins of the world. And I think that they would have joined the hundreds and the thousands of believers who would have confessed and who would have repented and who would have resumed their walk and their effort to follow the ways of heaven in Jesus. I think they would have changed. And they did. Now that said, there are seasons in our lives, in our lives, when we push away from the Lord and His holy way of life. We just do. We all do. Foolishly, we decide that our agenda is more important than God's agenda, and we just separate ourselves because our agenda takes precedence. There are days in our lives when each and every one of us, we know this is going to be true when you hear it, when we knowingly disobey the commandments the Father has given us and we turn our back to the example of Jesus. We just do. Foolishly, we turn to dark, sinful ways and a path that leads from the light rather than the way that's to the light and to heaven. Now, in spite of us, in spite of our sin against God and against each other, the Holy Spirit of God will continue to pursue us. The Holy Spirit continues to humble us in this Word of God towards repentance. The Holy Spirit will comfort us in the Word of God with forgiveness. The Holy Spirit will call us through this Word to amazing truth of heaven's way to embrace us with the love of the Father and the Son. I'll end with this. There's the cue, music people. On that day, after hearing the word of truth, 
Hundreds of disciples left Jesus. That's what we read. On that day, after hearing a hard word, the disciples left Jesus. I want you to think about this. Jesus still continued on his, on his work. He continued loving. He continued healing. He continued forgiving, forgiving and establishing truth in life. Now, months later, maybe a year later, during a night event, after the arrest of Jesus, all the remaining disciples, they left. Still, Jesus continued to love and forgive, offer healing and life. The good news that I ask you, the good news that I urge you using the words of Paul today, the takeaway from today's Bible lessons is this, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has always, is always, and will always present us the way, truth, and life, even if at times the words seem hard and uncomfortable. He will present us the truth. Not just that. God will always assist us and give us a way and an encouragement to repent, to confess, to be forgiven and healed and restored to the fullness of life that our Heavenly Father wants us to have. He will always do that. Whether we come today or tomorrow in a few years, He will not stop pursuing us. So church, hear this good news. Hear the hard words. Hear the gentle words. Be imitators of Jesus. And then help others join in this way that God has presented us in His Son, Jesus. God, help us be that church. Amen.